joy to be with you today. As I walked in the back door this morning, uh, there was a policeman. I said, have you heard that there's a woman preacher here today? That's why I'm here, he said. You have a good one there. He's quick on the uptake. I want to thank Dr. Barty for such a generous uh, introduction. I think nearly, I remember nearly 25 years ago, Wayne, when you and Alice put on your pale blue Columbia robes and came up to Kansas City as I was being installed as a faculty member. I'm grateful. Wayne has served on our board, and now uh, Jan Hockensmith is on Central's board, and we're grateful. Grateful for the leadership that you share with our school. Jim, thank you for uh, letting a sub, a ringer, come in uh, this Sunday. I know the folk here are so happy to have you as an interim. And it's a tender time in the life of a church when you're in an interim. And I pray for you and you, Dr. Perry, uh, as you all lead the search and find the right person for this good and faithful church, which has really good music. You all are, you all are blessed in that. I'm going to use three texts for my message this morning. That means about an hour and a half sermon, so settle in. I'm going to read from the 28th Psalm. I'm also going to read from Hebrews 12. And then I'm going to read from John, the 15th chapter, as we focus on the theme of joy, asking the question, can life be? A joy ride. First, from Psalm 28, verse 7. You are my strength and my shield. In you my heart trusts. You revived me. My heart leaps for joy. And I praise you with my song. And then the epistle... Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside everything that impedes us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race laid out for us. Let us not lose sight of Jesus who leads us in our faith and who brings it to perfection. For the sake of the joy to come, Jesus endured the cross, heedless of its shame, and now sits at the right of God's throne. And from John 15, as my Abba, has loved me, so have I loved you. Live on in my love. And you will live on in my love if you keep my commandments, just as I live on in Abba, God's love, and have kept God's commandments 
I tell you all this, that my joy may be yours and your joy might be complete. This is God's word for us this morning. Thanks be to God. I remember those summer evenings riding around in my hometown of Muskogee, Oklahoma, you know, just, just down the road. We rode around in my older brother's very old car. It had been a gift from uh, our grandmother, a 39 olds, complete with running boards. I never told my folk how often I rode on the outside of the car rather than the inside. Now, with gas being 25 cents a gallon, that'll tell you I'm of a certain age, we careened around neighborhoods and various haunts, visiting friends, seeing who else was out on the town. It was improvisation at its best. No destination, the sheer joy of being along for the ride. Yes, I think it was the definition of a joy ride. But a lot of life is not that for us. And I believe these texts teach us we can be more joyful. Last summer, I attended a conference at Yale at the Center for Faith and Culture about 150 folks from all over the world came together to talk about joy as an expression of our faith and as our work. Now that's the interesting part about joy. Joy is not sentiment. It is work. But it bears great fruit. One of the presenters there was Willie James Jennings. He is a renowned African-American professor of systematic theology and Africana studies there at Yale. And he was the one who said, it's not a sentiment. It is a work of resistance against fear and death. He said he learned this from his ancestors who were sharecropping people of the earth, and they decided as a family that they would work hard at joy as a way of renouncing despair, expressing their faith by dancing just above the line of surviving. What a witness, an intentional decision on the part of his family to work hard at joy even when the crops they were producing were primarily for other people. People have struggled to know how to define joy. Some have described it as a virtue, that it is a habitual practice. And if we practice it, we'll develop the muscle of joy. Others have said it's a fruit of the Spirit, and they are correct because you know the two words, kara, charis, joy, and grace, go very, very closely together. And a gift of the Spirit is to pour joy 
into our hearts. Others have said joy is a journey, not a destination, and joy will surprise us, as C.S. Lewis said. You remember his famous book, Surprised by Joy. He also talked about joy having a little stab to it at times, the stab of joy. For joy to be a part of our lives, the telos, the goal, matters. Our calling is to be fully alive, like Jesus. And as we move toward that goal, joy accompanies us. But joy is never entirely separable from sorrow. That's one of the ambiguous things about joy. You know how it is when you have lost a beloved one. Pretty soon those gathered begin to tell the stories that make you giggle in an unseemly way. And you realize that joy's proximity to sorrow is also a part of the integration of our lives. I remember my beloved Aunt Jerry, who lived to be nearly 101, who drove until about 98. When we examined her car... Uh, at the end of her life, there were these little dings that could have only happened at a very slow pace. Ultimately, it was her hairdresser who outed her. You know your aunt is still driving. She had turned in one set of keys, not both sets. <laughs> Telling Aunt Jerry stories even as we grieved her was a part of the joy. I remember uh, visiting her in the uh, ICU unit there at Muskogee Regional Hospital, and she began to uh, look toward the corners of the room, and I thought, she is seeing on the other side. She's preparing to meet the Lord. And I said, Aunt Jerry, are you preparing for heaven? And she leaned back with a thunk against the pillow and said, well, no, I haven't had my hair done. (laughs) Not about to meet the Lord without a fresh hairdo, of course. Joy does have proximity to sorrow, which is what Hebrews teaches us about the journey of Jesus who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Joy was the fruit of his faithfulness. Many of you in this congregation have suffered great loss and have walked through it with faith strengthened and witness born. That's what we're called to do as followers of this one who has gone before us. Jesus is the first to attain faith's goal, which is the unhindered presence of God. His endurance in suffering led 
to joy. I love to uh, visit a Benedictine monastery in northwest Missouri, Conception Abbey. I teach there every other year. You can imagine students read emails entitled Preparing for Conception. They, they do. One of my dear friends there is uh, Brother Joel, who always called me Reverend Dr. Mother Molly. He wanted to make sure he got it all in. He had slowed down in recent years. He didn't like a wheelchair. He pushed it around. That kind of served as his walker. He said, you know, I'm slower, but I'm getting to where I'm headed. And yes, he arrived there this past year. Now, what is it that can fuel joy? I believe it is gratitude. Uh, Many of you know the works of Diana Butler Bass, who's written very searing things about the state of American Christianity. She's written a book called Grateful. She's one of those who wants to leave the room at Thanksgiving when everybody goes around the table and has to say what they are grateful for. And she examined why is it that gratitude is hard for me. And she discovered that she was always focusing on her own performance, which was never good enough, and she was always trying to control the outcomes. And she discovered when we do stop focusing on our performance and we begin to relinquish control, joy, gratitude can surprise us. Gratitude, like other virtues, is a habit that we acquire over time through intentional practices. Giving thanks makes us grateful. We don't simply start the other way around. As we begin to be thankful, we realize that gratitude wells up in us. Giving thanks is a way of finding coordinates that will help us navigate toward the joy that God would grant each of us. Another thing about joy is it is communal. You remember the statement in John 15 is to the gathered disciples that your collective, plural, joy might be complete. What he had learned, he wanted to share. And his own life had become the demonstration plot for how we are to live. Unity, mutuality. This is the vine and the branches chapter, you recall, leads to life full of joy. Do you know what a peloton is? Some of you probably do. It's a pack of bike riders who make a trip together, similar to birds that fly in formation. They draft off of one another, where the leader takes the brunt of the wind. And so riders have to be exquisitely 
attuned to one another as they ride closely together to conserve energy. They go further together. And they exchange places as needed and all benefit from this communal enterprise. Very similar to life in faith, human thriving occurs as we accompany one another, exquisitely attuned to when another is sorrowing or another is joyful. And doing that together makes possible reaching the destination. Now, joy is never separable from the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know that it is described as one of the expressions of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And the Spirit fosters joy always related to justice. Joy is available in the good gifts of God's creation. And as Mary Oliver writes, joy is not meant to be a crumb. Rather, it beckons us as a lavish gift that draws us toward our true home in God where justice will prevail. Joy makes us more human, makes us more holy. It is a response to what ought to be. It is an alternative vision. Our day speaks of alternative facts. As Christians, we speak about an alternative vision, a vision of joy coupled with justice in the true community that is being formed after the likeness of God's own communal expression as Trinity. When we genuinely pursue the common good with all the vision and energy we can summon, not only is a community transformed, but so are those who give themselves to this joyful work of justice. Good not only for humans, but good for God. It's hard for us to imagine that our lives can actually bring joy to God. But indeed, they can. As the beloved hymn, For Everyone Born, a place at the table, intones, and God will delight when we are creators of justice and joy, compassion and peace. Yes, God will delight when we are creators of justice, justice and joy. Joy is the wellspring for human flourishing. In a season where our hearts are tugged toward others, our hearts are tugged to become more grateful, we are also being beckoned to greater joy, to live in the fullness of human flourishing, opening up to the human imagination for what God desires for the world. Joy occurs as we follow this 
pathway of Jesus who goes ahead of us and shows us how to live by embracing the ultimate joy ride. Let us pray. Oh God, you've not left us to our own devices. You have shown us how to live as you have come among us, as word become flesh through our brother Jesus. Teach us to follow in his way that our lives may spill over with joy so that we might encourage others, bring delight to you, and strengthen your presence in this world. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.